everybody. Um, I want to start today with a reading, um, and uh, we'll start there with um, from John chapter. Uh, sorry, from Luke chapter sixteen. And he said to his disciples, "There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called to him and said, "What is this that I hear about you? Turn in your account of management, for you can no longer be a manager." And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking away the management from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and and I'm ashamed to beg and I've decided what to do. So when I am hungry and, and, and removed from management, people may receive me into their house. And so he summoned the master's debtors one by one and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, 100 measures of oil. He said to him, quick, take your bill and and write down 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. He said, take your bill and write down 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Today's parable is kind of an interesting parable. The, the, the manager in the story is someone only his mother can love, and Jesus. Um, I feel very blessed to be here today on Mother's Day with all the mothers. I, I believe the mothers in this room are, are people that kind of reflect what this lesson is because it's about, in the end, serving others. And moms serve others all the time. They, they serve mothers all the time with their bodies to bring life. They, they serve uh, others all the time with their kids to feed them and, and, and to clothe them. Um, they give up so much. Sometimes they, they give up their joy, especially when they're raising teenagers. Teens, your mom's not your enemy. You are. <laughs> give her a break today here on Mother's Day and, and show her some love. I'm saying that to all the teens. I work with the, the teens, and it's a tough time of life, but moms give grace, and they give love even through those tough times that, that we go through. And, uh, you know, everybody in this church, I, I see your faithfulness expressed in so many ways. I, I see your love for one another and how you serve each other. And may God continually bless you as you are faithful to him. You know, the parable I read today is confusing. It can seem as if Jesus is being approving of a dishonest businessman's conduct. And we live in a world that's full of corruption. We see it all the time in the news business people that that do corrupt things. And... It seems like sometimes those ones that do corrupt things get ahead in life. Jesus is not giving any approval here for dishonesty or corruption, for that would be breaking the eighth commandment of God, that thou shall not steal. Um, Friends, it's important that we as his disciples, that we conduct ourselves always with integrity and honesty in this twisted and wicked generation. Because we each represent Jesus, and and Jesus was known as the way and the truth and the life. 
He's known as the truth. And the devil, by contrast, is known as the father of lies. And, and so what Jesus commends in this parable is not the dishonesty of the manager, but instead he's trying to teach us something about how we should manage our lives with integrity. Now, there's something good for us, though, to learn from this dishonest manager uh, about how he manages the risks and rewards of life. So today, I want you to open your Bibles or your Bible app, and we're going to look closely, and it'll also be on the screen, in Luke chapter 16, and see what we can learn from this dishonest manager about correct life management. It starts out this way in verse um, 1. It says, and he also said to the disciples. See, Jesus' intended audience was his own disciples. Previously in Luke chapter 15, we saw Jesus' audience was those that the world claims to be sinners and the religious people, the Pharisees, that thought they had no sin. But here, Jesus is instructing his own disciples about how they can be more effective and, and more fruitful in his mission to be a friend to sinners with the gospel. And it starts out this way. There, there was a rich man who, who, who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. You know, in the previous parable in, in, in Luke 15, Jesus told us about the love of his father um, for both those who are near and far from him. The, the father was a rich man, a landowner who had two sons. And, and so in that parable, the, the rich man represented God himself. But I think in this story, we, we, we kind of miss the meaning of this parable if we assume the rich man represents God. Uh, this parable is not about the rich man. He, he's not the one being commended or lifted up by Jesus. Instead, it is the dishonest manager. Now, looking at this verse, uh, the emphasis really isn't on the manager being dishonest. It's not. It, it's about the manager being ineffective. The, the text says he was wasting his master's possessions. You know, this manager was possibly an indentured servant or a, a slave in the first century, and he's been given a great privilege and a great responsibility to, to manage the wealth and the affairs of a very rich man. But he was reckless, or he was careless with the privilege that was given to him. This, this word wasting here is the same word used for the younger son in Luke 15, the, the word prodigal, for the prodigal son. It's the same word, reckless or, or wasteful. The, the idea is that both had taken something of, of great value and, and then just blown it. You know, the younger son was accused of blowing his inheritance on prostitutes and while living. He, he did not manage the gift of his inheritance well and ended up hungry and alone. And I would also say, as we went through that series, the older brother in the story also did not appreciate the gift of life that his father had given him and ended up, at the end of the story, alone and bitter. And now in this story, the manager did the same thing. He wasted the opportunity that he had been given by his apathy towards his master's affairs. You know, maybe this, this manager covered himself quite well for a while, but, but now his ineffectiveness and his laziness is apparent, and it shows that he wasted the opportunity to both bless himself and, and bless his master with his master's wealth. His, his sin of apathy is, is wasting 
the master's treasure. And, and now he's been found out. And the master called to him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in your account of management, for you can no longer be a manager. Well, I do not believe the rich man represents God in this parable. I do believe Jesus is teaching his disciples and us about a moment we will all face with God, that there will be a time where we will all be held to account for how we've managed our lives. And from the story, we learn something about how God's kingdom works, is that God doesn't miss anything. The rich man heard about this. God doesn't miss anything. Someday, he will say, what is this I hear about you? What is this I hear about you? Friends, there will come a time where everything we think is secret, everything that we think we're getting away with, it will be found out. The, the manager thought his apathy and ineffectiveness was hidden. Nobody sees it. Someday, we will not be able to hide anymore that some of us cheat on our taxes. Some of us will not be able to hide anymore that we, we leave work a little early and, and stole time from our bosses. Some of us will not be able to hide anymore that we stole a lustful look at someone that was not our husband or our wife taking something by fantasy that was not ours. All the lies we told about why we could not help our friends and neighbors will now be exposed. All the times that we said we would pray for somebody and it was just words with no actions will be publicly displayed. Every time... We had an opportunity to have a, a gospel conversation and we, we let our fears or our busyness keep us from doing it is recorded. You know, that, that time that we all uh, made a commitment to pray for our neighbors through bless every home and then we didn't do it and we just hid in the success of everyone else who's doing it. That pitiful apathy or that, that apathy will be displayed. Every one of you that, that said you cared about the lost and, and didn't ever sign up to come to a walk lunch, that, that lie will be exposed. Every time we told our kids we would spend time with them and then we let work be the priority will be exposed. Every time we told Jesus, hey, now I'm gonna start serving you, I'm committed to you, and never got started, will be exposed. Every time we told someone we forgave them, but still really harbored bitterness and hatred towards them in my heart, is exposed. Friends, does this scare you? It does me. Every lie you tell will be exposed. You know, Pastor Ken may believe all your excuses, and he believes all his own, because I make them too. But the owner of our lives does not. Someday, we will no longer be able to pretend we are managing our lives well. Everything will be exposed to the light of truth. Every motivation of our hearts. Friends, there will come a time for each of us 
when the management of this life will come to an end and we will be held account. That's what the Bible says. And so to get everybody ready for that day, I've, I published on our website, everybody's giving record and um, praying record from Bless Every Home for the last two years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never do that. I would never do that. That's, that's God's job. Um, but that, that make you a little uncomfortable at all? Did that make you a little bit uncomfortable? Friends, you're not hiding anything from God. You might be hiding it from me. You might be hiding it from the people sitting around next to you. You might be hiding it from your spouse or, or your parents, but you're not hiding anything from God. You know, your, your career may be going great. Your social life may be a blast. Your kids might be making the traveling team but you, are you doing anything significant with the treasure that God has given you for his purposes? You may say, well, well, pastor, I am saved by grace. And yes, that is true. But, but grace is something valuable, a privilege that God has invested in you. Friends, what have you been doing with it? Is that grace profitable to your master or is his grace only profitable to you what did what did spider-man's uncle tell him with great power comes great responsibility are, are you taking the responsibility for the great power of the wealth of his gifts of forgiveness and everlasting life that he's freely giving you? Or are you apathetically letting your greed, your lust, or fears keep you from displaying what you have been given to the world? Today, are, are you grumbling against the one who gave you life instead of praising him and doing the work that he has entrusted to you? Because someday it, it will come to light and, and it will be declared to the whole universe. Every creature will see the reality of your life's management. Friends, we are all managers. We're all dishonest managers. And, and the manager said to him, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig and I, I'm ashamed to beg and, and in this text, when it says, he said to himself, it, it is the same word that Jesus talked about with the younger prodigal son, which said he came to himself. He, he got woke to the reality of his situation. He understood he had blown the opportunity he had been given. Friends, this is a, a moment of clarity that, that, that comes to the manager. He's not blaming anybody. Or, or, or he's not grumbling at his master. He, he's not blaming the customers. He's not denying his sins. He's not trying to justify himself. Instead, he has accepted the responsibility of his own wasteful life management. And he asked the greatest question I think we can ask ourselves. What shall I do? What shall I do? This is a question that this, this is how disciples are born. This is how disciples stay effective. What should I do? In Acts 2, Peter is preaching to a crowd of many who applauded Jesus's crucifixion. 
They were, they were there participating. And the Holy Spirit leads them each to understand that they had personally killed the grace of life, Jesus, that had been given to them by God. And, and, they, and they cried out, we're screwed. No, they didn't say that. They said, um, what shall we do? What shall we do? Beloved, I hope you're asking yourself that question today. What should I do? If I'm accountable, what should I do? And Peter gave the answer that day. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Friend, turn now, right now. Turn to God and receive his mercy and forgiveness that is offered to you through his son. Be baptized. That means immerse yourself in his work instead of the work of this wicked and twisted generation. We are accountable to God. We are accountable to be his church, accountable to steward well the grace of life that we've each been given. Your excuses, friends, do not matter to the master. You have been entrusted with something of infinite valuable, much more valuable than your excuses. Our Father is rich in grace and mercy. Unlike, unlike the, the one in the story, the, the manager, our Father is rich in grace and mercy, and he, he has given us all a, a chance for our redemption. And at the judgment, we don't have to hear the words, you're fired, manager. Our master is full of grace and mercy, and he sent his own son, and he made him the one who's accountable for your sin. So don't sit there feeling guilty for your sin. That's not my point. You're all guilty. We're all guilty. Feeling guilty doesn't do anything. It's just another form of apathy. Get into action. Show the gratitude you have for the grace of wealth that you have been given. What, what, what Jesus is commanding in this dishonest manager is his understanding of the value of what he's been given and the fact that he took action. In verse four, it says, I've decided what to do so that when I'm removed from my management, people may receive me into their houses. He, he accurately assessed the situation and, and he got into action. He, he's not apathetic. He, he does not sit in despair or depression complaining. He formulates a, a plan. And yes, it's not a great plan. That's not a praiseworthy plan. And you know, the younger son and the prodigal son had a much better plan, return to my father. That, that's the right plan, return to my father. That's a really good plan. When you recognize you've mismanaged your life, go to the father. Get honest about your sin and trust in the unlimited wealth of his love and grace and goodness. There's nothing commendable about this manager's plan. Some of the commentators try to, you know, come up with something commendable. The more I read it, there's nothing. Um, he's only honest with himself about the situation, but then he tries to solve his own problem with a dishonest solution. Let's look what he tries to do. He says, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, take your bill, sit down quickly and write down 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he says, a hundred. 
measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and quickly write down 80. Why did he call the master's debtors one by one? So that they could become complicit in his dishonesty. Look what he asks them. How much do you owe my master? See, they could even lie to him right there and he would believe them, which shows how bad a manager this guy really was. He's not protecting what is valuable to the master. He doesn't really care. Take your bill, write down a different amount. He has them write it down because he's getting them to commit fraud with him so that they're now not going to tell on them because they're complicit. Quickly! You know, as sinners, we like to do our sin quickly without thinking so we don't have to feel accountable for it, right? That's kind of how we, we sin. And this, their participation in it makes them indebted to him for keeping a secret. Ever notice how the world of commerce wants you to do everything quickly? As if the deal will fail. Sign for this car right now. Do it, do it, do it quickly, do it quickly. That, that you will lose somehow if it's not quick. <laughs> Truly, good life management is looking at the eternal consequences of everything that we do. Go slowly. Think about what you're doing. He, he gets the customers involved because sinners like to get others in sin with them because it helps them justify or cover the guilt of their sin. Hey, let's all do this together. Has your teen ever justified their behavior by saying, Mom, everybody's doing it? I've said it. Every teen's ever lived has said that. It, it, it's a way of avoiding the truth that we are each accountable for our own choices in life management doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. One of the debtors here owes 100 measures of olive oil. That would have been about 875 gallons of olive oil. So it would, it would take about 150 trees and a couple hundred acres of land to produce that much. So, so this manager cutting the bill in half saves the owner about 500 denaria, or about 16 months wages. Why, why, would, why would this manager do this? Because the debtor is also another wealthy man that can now provide him a job. That, that's really, you know, I'm doing you a favor. When I'm off work, you're going to give me another job. And then he'd be able to live in his house and he'd be able to eat. And he won't have to beg. He, he wants to make the man so indebted him so that he can preserve his own life. But of course, this manager is smart. He knows that not every crooked man will pay on his debts. And so he hedges his bet and he does a favor for another rich man. And, and, and this man owes his master 100 measures of wheat. And, but he only discounts it here by 20%. But see, wheat is not like oil. You can't dilute wheat with water like you can oil to fool your master. But this is also another rich man. Wheat was worth more than oil. A 20% discount saves this rich man 500 denarii as well, or 16 months wages. And so both men are now grateful to him, and so he'll have options later. This manager is a brilliant scoundrel. He's brilliant. He's cheating the master on his last day to secure his future. But stealing 1,000 denarii from his manager cannot be called good life management can it? 
Why is Jesus telling us this scandalous tale of corruption? Maybe to get our attention, to get the crowd's attention. See, sinners like to hear about the great sin of others because it makes us feel better about our own sins. It's a, a way we deceptively manage our own sins. And the master here commends the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus, this is shocking. Why would the master commend a man for cheating him out of a thousand denarii? Why would Jesus tell us such a twisted story? Why would he tell us this? Doesn't seem like a story he'd tell. First, is to remind us again that nothing gets past our manager. The rich man in the story finds out, like God will find out, nothing stays hidden. But the second reason is what he commends the man for. He, he doesn't commend the man for his cheating. Look closely at the text. What is he commended for? What is he commended for? Shrewdness. That's, that's why I don't believe the rich man represents God. God will not commend our shrewdness to cover our sin. Sin is never okay. Jesus is not giving approval to the man's sin here. He's praising this man for his shrewdness. Friends, shrewdness is not a sin. The word shrewd means to be wise or to be prudent. The man in the story is a dishonest sinner, but he was wise. He was woke to his situation and he took action to preserve himself. That is what Jesus is praising here. He, he knew judgment was coming and he wisely took action to better his situation. The Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight, Proverbs 9.10. He understood he was accountable and that he deserved judgment for his sin. The fear of the Lord was upon him and he quickly went into action to find something that would save him. The Bible commends this kind of wisdom as faith, even when sin is present. The Bible commends this kind of wisdom as faith, even when sin is present. An example would be Rahab the prostitute. She lies to her own people to save the Israelite spies. Why? Because she believed God would judge and destroy the city of Jericho. And she wanted to save her own life and the lives of her children and her family. And, and while her actions were not perfect, she is commended for recognizing that the God of Israel was God and that he was true and he was the extreme power and she was accountable to him for her life. And that's why she is praised in the generations of the faithful. She shrewdly lied because of her faith in a God's power and grace. Friends, we're not saved by being sinless. We are not saved by being sinless. We are saved by faith. Real faith is not passive. It leads to action. And often, because we're sinners, those actions are not perfect. My actions aren't perfect, and neither are yours. But without faith, there is no action. And friends, apathy is the opposite of faith in God. Apathy is not faith in God. It's the opposite. 
You know, the Pharisees grumbled against sinners for their sin in Luke 15. But the sinners took action and came close to hear Jesus in faith despite their sin. They believed in a Savior while the religious of God grumbled against other sinners and God, against Jesus. Here we know Jesus is talking to his own disciples, but we also know from the context that the Pharisees were pressing around to listen so that they could catch Jesus doing something wrong. Oh, oh, no, we got him now. He's giving a a commendation to a dishonest man. He's praising a dishonest man. And if you're thinking that today, no, religious friend, he is saying, be wise of what's really of value in life, God's grace and his internal inheritance, and manage well the opportunity you've been given. Jesus says the sons of the world are often more wise than the sons of God in the pursuit of evil and temporal treasure. Than the sons of God in pursuing true eternal riches. The sons of the world wisely assess the risk and reward of the situation, and then they take action to better their situation. They are not apathetically doing things. Unlike the sons of, uh, of God that sometimes are apathetic about what they've been given with the temporary things in life that they are to manage. They, they're apathetic. They don't manage well the wealth entrusted them for good eternal purposes. Friends, you know Coca-Cola has more reach in the world than the gospel? Why? Because the sons of man will wear themselves out. They'll take risks. They'll do whatever it takes to make Coke sell so that they make a profit. They invest their time and their talent and their money into the company, chasing after temporal profits, something that's only going to last them 70 years. They say, we have the real thing, but that's dishonest. We truly have the real thing. Jesus is the living water. What are we doing with it in our generation? Are we wise with what we've been given? Do we, do we show up early at church or maybe even on time? Do, do, do we give our best talents to his kingdom? Do we take what we learn in this message about the real thing and, and then do we market it? Do we go share that message and, and build the brand in any way possible? Do, do we make our facility look clean and, and, and modern? Do we hire the best people we can to help us? Are the best artistic talents used to enhance this message? No, a lot of us show up maybe on average in America 25% of the time, one time a month to the training meeting. And often we're late. And, and, and we invest less than 3% of our money on average here. You know, if you're only here 25% of the time for an hour of training, that's like less than 1% of your time. 1% of your time. Less. Much less, actually. Even if you invested eight hours a week in ministry, that's still only 5% 
of the time, that valuable asset your master has entrusted with you. The average American invests seven hours a week on Facebook. The average American invests 21 hours a week on TV. The average American works 34 hours a week to advance companies like Coca-Cola. The average American devotes 2.5 hours a week to their exercise. Only 12% of evangelical Protestants read their Bible once or twice, not a day, a month, according to Pew Research. What would Jesus say about the sons of God's management? What will he say on the last day when we have to account for our management? This is what he says to his disciples and the religious Pharisees who are listening to trap him. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, time and money, so that that when it fails, did you notice that when? It's not if. When it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwelling. When Jesus starts out saying something like, I tell you, it's important. It's important. You should listen, for he is the master of your life. He is the one who can fire you or give you mercy. He says, make friends. See, the religious want to be the accountants themselves, trying to hold everybody else accountable for their sins. That's what the Pharisees are doing. But the, the true accountant of our sins instead is making friends and hanging out with all the sinners because he was accountable to his father that was rich in grace and mercy towards them. So, so friends, what are we to make friends with with our unrighteous wealth, our time, and our money, the things that God has given us for a limited time to steward? Well, the apostle Paul said, make the best use of our time because the days are evil. This time on earth is, is not righteous, for we live in a fallen world as God's sons and daughters. But we can use that time for a righteous purpose. Money is not, neither righteous nor unrighteous, but the sons and daughters of God can use their money for righteous purposes. Friends, our, our, our time is not ours. It's a gift given to us to steward from God. God who is our who owns it all? Our money is not ours. It, it belongs to our manager, God. And he entrusts us to steward the money that we have for his purposes. Friends, are, are, are you wasting his resources? What is Jesus, our manager, to tell us to do with our resources? Make friends. Like the on, dishonest manager, make friends. Who are do we make friends with? Well, the, the commentaries debate this, but one interpretation, you make friends with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And some commentaries say it is with those in the kingdom of heaven, the holy angels, so that they might welcome us there. But I believe it's a much simpler answer, and the best explanation is other sinners. Make friends with other sinners. Because that's how we show that we are a friend of God. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus is separating those he welcomes into his kingdoms and those who will not enter 
at the judgment, at the time of accountability. And he has the sheep, those who are wise and follow him. And he has the goats, those who rebel against him. And he says this to the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. He says the exact opposite to the goats. They did not use their unrighteous wealth of time and money to make friends with sinners. He tells them, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. And I, I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or, or thirsty or naked or, 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 or sick or in prison? We were busy. We were working. I, I'm sorry we didn't minister to you. Okay, add it a little bit. And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do for the least of these, you did not do it to me. You may say, I, I, Wait, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved by grace. Yes. But with great power comes great responsibility. Did, did you, are you following him? Are, are, are you fishing? Are you trying to befriend sinners with the grace of life that you've been given to steward? But Pastor Ken, I, I, I was saved by grace through faith. Yes, for that is what it says in Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, or not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The steward in this story was given everything by his master to steward by his grace. He was a slave. He wasn't worthy of such great wealth. It was a gift. Friends, we, we can't earn our inheritance. It's something that is given to us. But our master expects us to be fruitful and honest in the use of his resources. Many Christians that would quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 dishonestly to justify their poor life management. They need to neglect or they've neglected to mention what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, we are accountable to the grace we have been given. Maybe Jesus is saying it's, it's better to be a dishonest manager that understands he's accountable than, than one who tries to pretend to be sinless and is not honest or accountable to steward the grace that his master gives him. His grace is the most valuable resource given to us. 
And friends, he desires for us to pay it forward, to, 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 to invest it for his profit. We are not to waste his grace. Where are you investing what he has given to you? Are, are, you, are you using it to make profit, more profit for yourself or God? Are, are, are you advancing Coke or the real thing? Jesus is the real thing. There, there, there's a parable Jesus told about a man who from the world's perspective looked like, man, he is doing great. He increased his wealth so much. He had more than enough for himself. He couldn't even contain it in his barn. And he never, though, came to the reality of his eternal situation. He never asked the question, the important question before God, what should I do? What should I do? Instead, he has a fantasy talking to himself. And he thought to himself, this is from Luke 12, starting verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere, he's not talking to God, he's talking to himself, where to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, who will, whose will they be? Now the world would call him a wise and good manager, but God called him a fool because he did not understand who he was accountable to. He invested his life in the temporary. He lost it all on the day he was called to account. And Jesus says this, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Friends, is your life about your own profit? Or, or, or are you working to be a profitable manager for the kingdom of God? Friends, I, I, I think you need to answer that honestly today. Because here's the truth, we've all been wasteful. We've all sinned and, and mismanaged the grace of life we've been given by God. And we all need to ask ourselves the desperate question that the, the dishonest manager asked himself, what shall I do? But friends, it's not enough just to ask the question. God commends those who then get into action. Because friends, that is faith that saves. Today, Repent, change your direction, that's action. If, if your plan right now is to hoard up all you can for yourself and sit apathetically toward your neighbor, friends, that is a bad investment. That's a terrible investment. Jesus says, follow me. Be rich towards your master God. I'm the one who knows good life management. See, Jesus left this world with nothing. He invested the grace of life he had been given for us on the cross. He became accountable for all times for what we mismanaged in our lives and, and for the times we fell into sin. He, he died for our sins. He, he died. When he died, he said, it is finished. He was saying, our debt to God is paid in full. He was the perfect manager of life. 
He did not hold on to temporal things. He had nowhere to lay his head. Even in his crucifixion, they gambled away his clothes. Instead, he, he just gave it all. He died with nothing in a borrowed tomb. But friends, his investment paid off. Three days later, he walked out of the tomb alive again, alive forever. And for being a good steward of his life, God, his master, gave him everything, all authority on heaven and on earth. He is the honest manager who tells us what is true, that the way to manage our life in a sure way is to pick up our cross daily and to follow him. Sinner, today, be shrewd. Be very shrewd. Escape judgment. Quickly accept his deal to forgive your debts completely and live. Act now. And then be indebted to him, not your job, not the things of this world, not your 401k. Give him your first priority and live. Rewarded by your master forever. Let him hear. Let your heart hear him say on that day, Jesus has covered your sin. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come enter my kingdom. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you are honest with us. You're honest about your love, but you're also honest about the situation. And Father, today, if there's anybody here, I think everybody here, this is a hard message, knows that they've mismanaged some things in their life. And they can count on deception to, to try to get out of it, but Lord, that's not going to work. So Lord, may they do when they come to themselves, do the right thing, turn to you. Receive your mercy and your forgiveness. Receive your gifts of everlasting life. Let them come to you right now honestly and say, I'm sorry, I've blown it. I've blown it, I've wasted it. But I'm turning to you. Lord, make me effective for you. Teach me your ways. Let me make friends for eternity. Let me forgive those who have hurt me. Let me do good to those who are my enemies. Let me work for you. If you've made that prayer in your heart, whatever words you used, he heard it. And he saves you. But don't sit back. It's time to stay in action so that he commends you for all eternity, that you will dwell with him in eternal dwellings in mansions on high. Make a commitment to him that you will follow him as your Lord and as your Savior. He's now your boss. He's the one you're accountable to. Make that commitment today and you'll be saved. Jesus, I know there's people doing that in their hearts right now. 
Father, I know that you're receiving that with a joy. And there's celebration going on in heaven. Because you want their investment to pay off. You don't want any to perish. And so, Father, we praise you for your goodness. That you gave us this message today. That we could get woke and change. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.